new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Hey guys, good morning and welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. Very excited to have you guys here. I'm feeling really patriotic today. How about you? Are you? Well, just because my topic is going to be on Navy SEALs and uh, just making sure that we're recognizing those people that, uh, you know, freedom isn't free, they yeah. say. I know it's a cliche phrase. We can use that a lot. But the things that those guys do are uh, are incredible, but even more so, the lessons that we can learn from them are awesome. I'm reading through with my leadership team here right now. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. For those of you who have not seen that book or heard about that book, you've got to go get it. It's awesome. And I would encourage you guys to do so. And uh, how's your week going? Man, it's great. I'm fired up, but I don't know if I'm as fired up as you were this morning. I was pretty fired up this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, he sends me some shout messages this morning on Voxer. <laughs> we communicate on Voxer in the mornings. It's great. Yeah, I, I, get, I get fired up for the podcast. I'm ready to rock and roll. So, Glad you guys are tuning in out there, and we're going to be talking about mental strength or mental toughness and mental resilience and why that's so important for us. And I think a lot of people out there might just say, hey, I'm not a Navy SEAL. Why is this important? And I think for most people, with uh, there's been a lot of Navy SEALs that have come out with tons of books and leadership courses now. You look at Mark Devine, you look at, uh, as I mentioned, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. You know, there's just a lot coming out now that says, hey, we can use these mental resilience or mental toughness strategies to really accomplish a lot of things in life. Yeah, I had Jason Selk on the podcast, former mental strength coach of the St. Louis Cardinals, and uh, he's got a ton of books out there, but one of my favorites is Executive Toughness. And it's, mm. you know, he's not a Navy SEAL, but a lot of the business, entrepreneur, people in highly active roles, a lot of that comes down to how are we going to view our day? Yeah, and, it's so true. And really, a lot of it starts in the morning. If you pull up uh, Jocko Willink's Instagram account, it's literally just picture after picture after picture of him holding his watch out, black and white picture. It's always the same, holding his watch out, and it says 430, you know, he gets up 430 every day. But the cool thing is, is when he takes that picture, many times his arm is already sweaty, so he's already been working out or doing something, you know, that morning, and so it's awesome. But But why should we care, guys? Why do people that are in just normal, everyday life care about this? Does it matter? And I think the answer is yes, it matters a lot. And before we dive into that, though, because I know we're going to dig into a lot of meat here, I wanted to share with you guys, and if I don't do it now, I know I'm going to forget. I had Greg McEwen on the podcast recently where he talked about essentialism, his book, Essentialism, just the ideal of minimalism, essentialism. And uh, one of the things that I think I mentioned on the other podcast was he said, like, everybody needs to get back to journaling. And he's talking about think time, cutting out the noise, getting into think time, A lot of this is going to tie into mental strategies as well as I talk through this, but he said something that probably would raise some eyebrows to people out there who might think, hey, is that even really effective? But he said, I want you guys to all start journaling again. Everybody needs to start journaling. And when you do, you'll be excited about, you know, doing it if you know the benefits, but I want you to write one sentence and I want you to do that for a really long time. And I don't remember exactly, I need to listen back to it, but I don't remember the time frame he put on it. But it was, like I don't know, it was like six months or something, maybe something like that. And he said, and then I want you to write two sentences. And I want you to do that for a really long time. Because what he was talking about is so many people get into stuff and just mental capacity, you would try to do it all. And then the next day, we don't have time to do it all. So we're trying to catch up on day three. 
And then eventually two weeks out, you're like, yeah, I kind of got off track and I'm not even doing that anymore. That's exactly what it is. Right. It's like so, New Year's resolution. <clears throat> which is like a... Yeah, we say we're going to go to the gym four hours. We should have just said, I'm going to go to the gym. Yeah. Right? I'm going to make one small, take one small bite out of this elephant. Yeah, you don't have to be perfect. It's all about the process and the progress, but it's not about perfection. Yeah. Right. So the reason I'm mentioning all of this, guys, is I have... Uh, several of these little field notes books. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's kind of old school, 48 page memo book here. And I have had them up in my closet forever, just trying to figure out the right time. And so what I did yesterday is like, I I was like, man, I'm going to start doing this. And I popped open the first page and just wrote, it wasn't really a sentence, but it was just a quick thought. It was, you know, definition of humility, definition of humility, a low or modest view of one's own importance when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. That's in Proverbs 11, verse 2. And that's all I wrote. That's it. Right there. That was my first day. So, uh, And then I, funny thing is, I thought about it a lot during the day. It would just kind of stay on my mind. And I think he's exactly right. If I had sat here and tried to fill out an entire lesson of something that I learned, I don't think that that would have just seared on my brain the way that it did. Would not have been as impactful. Yeah. So... For today, I'll write something different, but I just wanted to share that with you guys. There's a lot of different versions of these field notes out there, or you can get, you know, the, the ton of different journals, right? But just get something that's going to help you that you can carry around with you. And I just stick this right in my pocket and move on and kind of a cool thing. There's so much to writing things down and seeing them in front of your face visually. Taking an, an idea that's maybe in your subconscious or maybe even in your conscious mind, putting it on paper makes it real. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So much scientific fact to that. You know? Writing it down. That's why Lee Cockrell, uh, who I put out a couple episodes ago, he's got just, he's, I don't want to say he's mastered it because he's human as well, but he has put out a lot on time management, time blocking seminars, things like that, that he runs now. He's 72 years old, former executive vice president of Disney, ran four theme parks, multiple hotels, managed 40,000 people, tons of leaders, 5,000 leaders that reported directly to him. Goodness gracious. And... You know, he says the biggest thing is you got to have a paper planner and you got to have your phone, phone to do business and to do some things the paper planner can't do. But about 90% of your time blocking success will come from having a paper planner. Technology is great, but there's certain things you can't do. Hmm. Okay. So here's a question, a challenge, if you will, to that. If you're writing it down digitally, is that not the same as writing it down on a physical paper? Like. Is there a generational gap there where he hasn't adopted technology? No, there's or? too much research out that says that typing things out is better than just hearing things and trying to remember them or reading things and just trying to, re- you read a book, you're like, man, great information. You put it on the shelf. You're not going to retain a lot out of that. Okay. Typing it out is better. Writing it down is the best. Really? Yeah. Just plenty of research out there that shows that fact as well. So I encourage you guys to go do that. So we got off of this topic of mental toughness and Navy SEALs, but I knew if I didn't mention that, that I would regret it. And it really does play into it, I think. If we're going to be successful each day in our work, in our trade, and whatever it is that we're doing, we've got to understand, as I've said before, how the brain works. We've got to understand how a lot of these things that we're doing really tie into success. And you don't have to be a neuroscientist and go to school for 20 years to understand how the brain works, to understand how the brain works, right? So I would say for you guys, why does this Navy SEAL, as it relates to mental toughness, why is this so important? There's a lot that goes along with it. There's a lot of research and a lot of experiments and testing that have been done. You know, I mentioned several episodes ago, the Stanford marshmallow experiment where you gave people marshmallows. Kids said, if you don't eat this for 15 minutes, we'll bring you back another one. And they tracked their lives. And it was just incredible to see what the people who really embraced delayed gratification, 
how that was wired into them. You know, talked about uh, also Angela Duckworth in her book, Grit. Uh, we now have an importance of what grit actually means, which is mental toughness versus just throwing around a cliche word of grit. I'm gritty. Well, what does that mean? Oh, I don't know. I just say it because, you know, we actually have a science behind it now and the scientific and research world has adopted that phrase, that term grit as an actual thing when it comes to mental and cognitive studies. So super important for all of us. Have you ever done any uh, reading? I mentioned Mark Devine, Jocko Willink, these guys. Have you done any reading on Navy SEALs? or? I have not. So I don't think a lot of people have. And I think that's why I really wanted to tackle this today is just, you know, just really understanding you don't have to be a Navy SEAL to think like a Navy SEAL, if that makes sense. Now, Navy SEALs out there may laugh at that and go, hey, you've never been through combat or whatever. <laughs> totally get that. Like, totally understand. And we're grateful for you guys who do that. But I'm just saying from a mindset standpoint, how does all of that work together. So have you been, uh, put you on the hot seat here, have you been doing anything since January started, and maybe you've talked about it before on here, that you're doing right now to really sharpen your mindset? We've talked about the ideal calendar. We've talked about the green sheets that you said you're going to start adopting. I'm not sure if you did that or not. We haven't talked about it. What are you doing right now to be mentally strong, though, when things just start piling up? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I am kind of running on overdrive right now um, because of this newborn baby. And one thing that's really been helpful for me Bear is, sounds like a Navy SEAL name. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <clears throat> one thing that's been helpful for me really has been the ideal calendar. You know, sticking to that, I really have begun to marry that into my practice. So it's you are pretty, sticking to it? Yeah, it's been pretty impactful. Awesome. I'd encourage you guys out there to do that as well. Go back and listen to some of our earlier, not earlier, just the last two or three episodes on um, all the stuff we talked about. There's a lot about the ideal calendar in there and how that can help us. But I think most people, Jordan, say when it comes to, you know, becoming a Navy SEAL, we look at the BUDS training that they do out in San Diego where they're out in freezing water at all hours of the night, carrying big logs, carrying boats, doing all those sort of things. You know, it's, it's hell week, they call it, you know. I think most people would say that that is based around uh, physically demanding yep. challenges. Yeah, when and, I think of a Navy SEAL, I think of them being able to, you know, pull a bullet out of their arm and re-sew it back together, <laughs> right, right, in the field. Right. Mental, yeah. or physical and mental, but mostly physical attributes, right? Yeah. Man, what if we could do that? Golly. I feel like... Chad Armstrong. Superman. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the more I read on this is that course is not the BUDS training and all the training they go through really, believe it or not, is designed for the average athletic male to be able to make it through. So you and me. Yeah. I mean, you're above average. I'm a little bit below average. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe three years ago, I could have done it. <laughs> I'm getting a little soft now. Uh, so check this out, guys. If it's not the physical part of it, right, then what is the deciding factor in the success of a SEAL? Most of the uh, writings that are coming out now by former Navy SEALs, especially in a leadership role, are talking about how we can be better in business. They're referring to the fact that it really just tests your mental stamina. Hmm. It's all about mental. I'd love to uh, interview Mark Devine, or uh, I've actually reached out to Jocko Willink many times and haven't heard from him, but I'd love to get him, Leif Babin, Mark Devine, any of those guys on the show. If anybody out there has connections to them, let me know. And I'd love to just dive into the mind of a SEAL and say, hey, really, you know, kind of cut through the what human perception is. Tell me how you're trained. You know, tell me, mm -hmm. tell me how all this happens. So... How do you go 10 minutes without scratching that itch that's just driving you insane? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's that kind of stuff. It's not, you know, I mean, there's physical part into there as well. I'm sure people have been through this. No, but 
that's a lot of it, but it's more so from what people are writing now. It's more so about little silly things like that. Like right now, as I say that, my back is itching. <laughs> And I'm trying my best not it. to scratch it. It's I'm not, not gonna, easy. I'm not going to scratch it for you because, <laughs> not that I'm not a friend, but I want you to build mental toughness and I wouldn't be helping you if I did that. So let's dive into some of these mental toughness techniques and how that can help some of us. I look forward to you guys hearing my episode with Jason Selk too here in a few weeks about executive toughness for those of you out in the business world. But I just pulled a few things. I've got Tools of the Titans over here on my desk. There's a section in there about Jocko Willink. I've got, like I said, Extreme Ownership, Mark Devine's book. And, you know, a lot of this information that's been pulled together is about segmentation. You know, the old phrase, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time, right? Yeah, it's so it's, true. So here's what you guys need to picture. If you're facing a daunting task, if it's a training regiment you're going through, if it's a task you have at work, if it's picking up the phone and calling the really super big A++++ prospect, if it's starting your own business, whatever, we typically feel a fear from that and we never push through that. What did Winston Churchill say? He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. It's like such a small phrase, but such an important phrase for us yeah. to remember. But the SEALs, part of the SEALs training, a lot of it is around segmentation. We have to slowly divide that task up into, you know, if you're talking about eating the elephant, right, digestible parts, and you kind of get the idea of where that's going is many times we take these tasks and they're huge, huge monumental things, bigger than we've ever done before, and we can't get our mind to stop focusing on the big task. We've got to break that down. And as silly as that sounds, that's not typically how our brains work today. Yeah. We have to be intentional about it. So, you know, the action item on that for you guys is anything you're facing, any mountain, any daunting task today, this week, this year, whatever, break it down into bite size objectives or smaller objectives. And what most research tells you is uh, with brain work is that if you can fit it into a 24 hour period, what can I accomplish between now and the next 24 hours that or even the next 12, or however you want to do it, that can really move the needle on this big, giant thing I'm working on. And now you get those releases of dopamine we talked about mm -hmm. before. The cortisol, the stress hormone starts going down. You start being able to visualize how you're going to make this happen before all you saw was a giant mountain Yep, out there. So take me through, Jordan, a time in your business, maybe, or just a time in life where that concept has been helpful for you, just being able to break things down. Yeah, I think some things have been piling up on my desk are some longer emails that I've been needing to write for the last week. And it's like, man, I need to spend some mental energy and really just do it. But I've got all these other things that really seem a little bit more important, right? And uh, so yesterday, I, I just I pulled out a, a to-do list. I wrote them down and I died, you know, dove in at the end of the day after I'd done all the things that were more pressing I, you know, shot off those emails and then it was so nice to be able to cross each one of the names off the list. Yeah. And it just like that dopamine hit is powerful. It really is. I mean, it's like, it feels good to get stuff done, especially when it's the big mountain that's, that you've built up in your mind. Yeah. But you had to take that and dissect it one piece one, at a time. One email at a time. So I would encourage you guys. I mean, a lot of the stuff we talk about on the podcast, obviously it's not rocket science, but it's things that if you would implement those seemingly small things. I think a lot of times things that are the most impactful seem so small that we just discount them, right? You know, it's the, it's the small things like this that we're like, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I heard that bite size. Okay. Yeah, I got it. But in your mind, you're really thinking like, I wonder what the big thing is. It's going to move the needle. And it's all of those small things. It's those dominoes, those compound effects that really take us on to more success down the road. Another idea that the SEALs use is visualization, visualizing success. And there was a research report done 
that, check this out, basketball players improved their free throw accuracy by 23% from just visualizing free throws. Not practicing, just visualizing the free throws. And then the group that actually practiced the free throws only improved by 24%. That's 1% difference. No way. From actually going out and doing the work. And there's a lot more to that research study out there if you guys want to go look it up. I can't remember the name of it. But 1% difference from actually doing the action versus just visualizing it. Wow. Lanny Basham, who you guys know I've talked about time and time again with winning in mind, he had a situation where when back when he was in the Army, he couldn't go to a range for two years. So this is one of the top shooters in the world that can't even go visit a range. And so what he would do is, he said, he said in our podcast, he said, I'd put my family down at night, put everybody to bed, and then for the next couple hours, I would go and just dry fire my gun, just in the house, just looking at a bullseye, just dry firing the gun. Or sometimes he would lay in bed and couldn't sleep, and he would just picture what it looked like to be looking down the site, dry firing the gun, and didn't visit a range for two years, and then went and uh, won a world championship and also set a world record. Wow. So I just think there's a lot of truth behind the visualization of success. You know, Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning, a lot of the part of the life savers, which is his Miracle Morning routine, is, you know, the V in savers is visualization. Sitting there in silence, sitting there with your eyes closed or however you want to do it, but just visualizing how today is going to look, visualizing how you're going to fight through objections, visualizing how you're going to build on what it is that you're doing. And if you're already contemplating those things coming your way and how you're going to handle them, you're going to be a lot more prepared. Even if you've done it hundreds of times, if you don't visualize it, you could still get things that rock your boat. Okay. So I'm going to piggyback on that. I had dinner last night with a really good friend of mine who has for the last few years been working in a job that he was quite frankly overqualified to work in. And he's begun to kind of catch a vision for his life and, and uh, really begun reading a lot. He read 10X Rule and he read uh, thinking Grant Grant Cardone. Cardone. Yeah. And so he's, he's sort of, you know, kind of high on life, but it's it's been going on for a long enough period of time that I don't think it's just a, you know, a flash in the pan. Did you say he was overqualified for the job he got? Yes. For okay. the one he's been working in. Okay. Right. So maybe, really, he needs to, needed to kind of step out and stretch himself maybe a little not bit. Maybe fulfilling his passions. Exactly. Um, we talked for a long time last night, and one of the things he talked about is the idea of a, a leadership council you know, I guess in Think and Grow Rich, which it's crazy, I have not read. <sighs> I know that's a, a blasphemy. <laughs> you go read it and then um, come back and get behind the mic. <laughs> um, but, but does he talk about a, um imaginary leadership council? Is that in that Well, more or? like, uh, almost like a board of advisors. Yes, like okay, board of advisors. So my friend, his name is Ryan, um, he says that, you know, he kind of adopts that and, he spends like an hour just, way? so he calls out, you know, uh, somebody, really two people that he respects a ton, and he just has a conversation with them in his mind, right? One of the guys that he really respects has a lot of confidence, and, and when he walks into a room, he owns the room. And so Ryan wanted to do that, right? He wants to be able to, you know, walk in a room and own it, and he basically mentally had a conversation with this guy, you know, an imaginary conversation with this guy about how he was going to be just like him. Well, the next day, he walks into his, his workplace, and his boss says, in three minutes, something is different about you, and it's not your hair, and it's not the way you're dressed today. It's not that he didn't bathe or anything like that. It's not that you didn't bathe, but I can't figure out what it is. And he says the next day, he's sitting at Starbucks, and um, 
he catches eyes with this woman who's, I guess, mid thirties. And, you know, she kind of walks past him. She goes through the drink line. She gets her order and she comes back and, and she stops him and says, what do you do for a living? And he was reading the book and he tells her and says, why don't you sit down? And she says, I have only been impressed by, I think she said one other person in my whole in life, just by looking at him. And he was like, Hmm. <laughs> what does that do for your ego as a guy? <laughs> but I think his point was like, there's so much to imagination and, you know, what owning your thoughts and, and kind of seeing yourself and picturing yourself being successful and picturing yourself adopting those philosophies and those mannerisms and those traits. And uh, imagination is a powerful thing. It yeah. Really I mean, that, I tell you guys all the time, you know, a couple of years ago, I would have thought that was maybe phony or, and it was just me being negative and pessimistic and small-minded and not really looking at what successful people are doing, but just imagining in my mind what's right and what's wrong. Like so much of the things in my life that I've just discounted and I'm like, eh, maybe that'll work for somebody else. I didn't even take the time to go and see like, okay, is there anybody successful doing this? We need to vet that out. We need to test everything. I've mentioned before, life is, you're in the lab all the time. Put on the goggles, test everything and then test it some more if you're not fully convinced. And some things you'll throw out, and some things that seem like you would want to throw them out actually end up being the stuff that sticks, That's like so true. visualization. So I'm really curious about that, what he's talking about, how you would have a conversation with somebody in your mind. I guess he's picturing them giving advice or talking yeah. in a certain way. That's interesting, because I would think if I picture having a conversation with somebody in my mind, you know, if I have somebody a conversation with somebody in real life that is wise and older and done a lot more life than me, they're probably going to say things that maybe I haven't registered here yet. Yeah. If I'm doing it on my own, this kind of imaginary envisioning, I might just say a lot of the same things that's already in my mind. Yeah. So that's interesting. Let's circle back to that because I'd love... Well, I need to read the book. So that's step one, I think. Yeah. Why don't you go read that book? (laughs) So, but guys, the application on all of this is just the next time you have a big stressful event coming up, use visualizations just to imagine yourself succeeding. And though that sounds crazy, I would challenge you to go see how many Fortune 500 CEOs are doing this sort of thing, how many multimillionaire people that are multimillionaires as entrepreneurs, how they build this in, because I'm telling you, it's almost this hidden thing that's out there that people in the know do this and they've embraced it. And visualization is a very powerful thing. Mm. And I don't know why our brains are, are, you know, work that way. It just seems like we should be able to get up each day and say, okay, here are the things I need to do. And yeah, I may get pulled away a time or two, but I know the things I need to do. I'm an adult. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm, you know, I'm running a company. I'm doing all this stuff. Why do we not go do that? Why do we have to do something like visualization? I'm not sure, but I know that there's too much research for me to deny, to deny that it works. So we have to embrace it because you can, you can stay that person the rest of your life and close minded, or you can embrace it. A lot of that comes down to emotional control. You know, so much of what we talk about uh, with our clients as financial advisors is emotional there's so much about emotions. Typically, you know, if the market gets a 10% return, your average investor over a long period of time might get four. Pulling money out of the market, not putting it back in, they miss the run up. Market dips a little, they suddenly want to go from aggressive investor down to conservative or market dips a little, they want to go all to cash. None of that may be based on fact, as we've mentioned before. It's all emotional. So a lot of what we have to do is really control our clients' emotions for the betterment of what we hope for them in the future. Yep. And and a lot of this emotional control, guys, is what the SEALs deal with as well. There's the, as I mentioned, there's the adrenaline, there's the norepinephrine, there's the cortisol. All of those things are are considered stress-building hormones 
are, you know, they're certainly not stress regulating hormones, but once they get up and regulate, you know, it's a lot easier to regulate those and regulate dopamine. Dopamine kind of spikes and goes up and down and up and down. Adrenaline can also go up and down, but it stays for a longer period of time because normally that happens when you're engaged in something. Cortisol can stay, I mean, you could deal with cortisol in your sleep. You could be stressed out and toss and turn and have things on your mind and then get up, just stuff heavy on your brain. So we've got to figure out how to deal with this emotional control because though those things can give us a boost of energy and help us succeed when the pressure is on, most people don't handle them the right way. Mm. And they end up staying in a very unhealthy place mentally, especially whenever it comes to that. So whenever those levels stay up for a longer period of time and you find yourself not being able to switch to relaxation mode, you've got to get into more of breathing patterns. Yeah. Uh, talking with Drew Canoli, who just came out yesterday on the podcast about breathing and why breathing is so important. Mark Devine created a system called box breathing that Drew and I talked about where you inhale for five seconds, you hold for five seconds, you exhale for five seconds, you hold for five seconds. And that's one. And he just talked about designing that whenever, you know, the biggest thing for SEALs many times is just the patience. It's not even being in war. It's just the act of waiting on what's going to happen. They may be camped out somewhere for three days, totally hidden, God. just just waiting on the next move, you know? And he developed this system of box breathing, just sitting there in silence in his free time. And Tim Ferriss talks about that, you know, talk tools of the Titans. Tim Ferriss talks about that. Many other people talk about this breathing, Wim Hof, lots of people, and just how it resets our parasympathetic nervous system and how if we can get these ideas down of, you know, make time to breathe each day, make time, you know, your iPhone reminds you to stand and breathe and all those sort of things, but just push the chair back and do two or three episodes of that. And it's just a centering breath, as Jason Selk calls it. It's a centering breath to get the cortisol down, get the adrenaline down, put your body in a state of relaxation, gear down the parasympathetic nervous system, and really reduce a lot of these unhealthy chemicals that are going to our brain each day, which can lead to chemical imbalance, which can lead to stress. I mean, in today's working society, we have to do these seemingly simple and unimportant things or we're just going to wear ourselves down. That might be the most valuable thing to an Apple Watch besides the iPhone finder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Best $400 iPhone finder I've ever seen. That's for sure. But I, I want you guys to try that. Just see if it helps you out. And if, if you do meditation or if you sit in silence, as we talked about last week, the next time you catch yourself feeling stressed... Take several seconds. You don't have to do the box breathing. I found that very helpful. But just take several seconds, even if it's just three deep breaths, and move on about your day. Yeah. The last thing that we'll wrap up with here on the podcast is just small victories. One of the things that I wanted to mention, uh, Cal Newport, I spoke with him yesterday, and he's got a book out called So Good They Can't Ignore You. And the idea, really kind of eyebrow raising, we talked about one of his big ideas is there is don't chase your passions because we've got it totally wrong. I'll save the message for when the podcast comes out, but we've got it totally wrong around chasing your passions to find what you're passionate about. And I'll let him go into the message there. But one of his rules, rule number four, is think small and act big. What does that mean? It's really around the importance of your mission. So we're always taught to think big, you know, think big, think grand, think sometimes that can be overwhelming, as I mentioned with the visualization, think small and act big. So it comes down to these small victories is what that comes down to. And when 
your confidence is low, your morale is low, the team is low, you're low, you're halfway depressed because you're not having a great week. What do you do? Most people sit there and fester on those hormones, the, the cortisol and the things that we mentioned. When nothing's going right, try to think smaller. Try to think about this issue, dissect it, segmentation. Try to think about this issue in the scope of everything else in life that's going on. Everything. Some people talk about negative visualization, which I'm not, I don't know if I'm on board with that, but I hope I'm not being, you know, closed minded. But they think about negative visualization, which is picture your wife with cancer, picture your kids having an illness, picture all these things. Don't dwell on it, but you picture those things and suddenly you realize, holy cow, they don't have those things. And I'm so grateful they don't. But now this thing that I'm looking at right here in front of me, whatever. It's like, not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. Not that big of a deal. And there's a, I won't spill the beans, but I got a podcast coming up uh, from someone that runs a podcast called Slow Hustle Podcast. And his whole idea is that negative visualization to help us just really reframe how big some of the things are in our mind. But I want you guys to think but really what that comes down to is gratitude, right? Being grateful for the good things that we have. And not making a big deal out of what is negative in our life, right? I mean, yeah, gratitude, but also framing the size of the yeah. issue. It's Agreed. not the big elephant that most of the times we think about. It's typically much smaller, and we don't need to put as much fear and focus on it. So guys, uh, again, just thanks so much for your time here today. We can only get so much into a podcast. I want to come back in the next couple of weeks and talk about extreme ownership, as I mentioned, with Jocko Willink, Leaf Babin. I'm going through that for my second time right now, and it's just awesome. You guys need to go out there and pick it up. But, uh, you know, uh, Audible has this thing. If you've never checked out Audible before with audiobooks, they've got this thing where you pay a, a membership of 14 bucks a month, I believe it is. There is no questions asked, unlimited returns on any book that you buy, and you get a discount on those books if you're a member rather than just signing on and buying. You get a discount on those books. I've gone and checked out a lot of books and just didn't really get the message, didn't like the message. I return it. No questions asked. You just go in there. It's like return, return, return. And then you've got it all done. So it's a really cool system. But I would tell you guys, if you are, if you're thinking about getting more into audiobooks, you know, I love it. Put it on one and a half, two times speed. You can get a lot of stuff cranked out. So I'm going through that on audiobook right now. But uh, I want to go back and, and handle that part on extreme ownership about leadership and really just owning the day because a true leader will own all of that. And a lot of this, of course, comes back to the mental part yeah. of it. So, Jordan, what are you tackling this week? What's big on your plate right now that you can leave the listeners with as far as advice, guidance, anything as we wrap up here? Yeah, that's a great question. My goal for this week is to read Think and Grow Rich. So by next Thursday, I'd like for everybody to hold me accountable to that. You think you can get it done in that time? So. Yeah. Good. Awesome. I will hold you accountable to that. He's Jordan Earls. I'm Jared Warren. Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you want to catch us on email... Uh, shoot a message to our team. It's info at success 101 podcast. Every email that comes through will get read. Maybe not that exact same day, but it will get read and handled by myself or my team. Somebody will get a response back to you. So if you have any ideas of content, any guests that you can link me to, and you actually have a connection with that guest, I'm always looking for more great people I can bring on. And if you guys haven't gone to iTunes and given it a five-star rating or a review, if you think the podcast is great, go do that. There's a lot of importance that Apple puts on those ratings and reviews as to how they get, they put you in the featured sections and things like that. And it just really helps keep the mic on the more attention and downloads and things like that, that people are, uh, are focusing on the podcast. So check us out on Instagram. I'm at success 101 podcast. He's at the Duke of Earls. And you can also catch us on Facebook as well. Have a great week, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks.